0: Psalms is one of the most beloved books of the Bible. Millions of people through centuries have turned to the pages of Psalms in their own time of agony or of exaltation. I know in my own dark season of despair, the Psalms was all I could read. My feelings of heartbreak felt printed in black and white on the page in front of me. The book of Psalms which is the most widely read of all the books in the Old Testament, is a collection of poems, hymns, and prayers. They express the religious feelings of Jews through the various periods of their national history. Adopted for use in worship services, the Psalms have been used in Jewish temples and synagogues for centuries as well as Christian churches. The book of Psalms has special significance for the understanding of religious life of ancient Israel. The prophets and sages provide some insight as to what the Hebrews thought, but the Psalms give the clearest indication of what the Hebrews felt. Here we find a revelation of the joy, the lament, the loyalty, the doubt, and the hope of the human heart. Psalms of lament express crying out to God in difficult circumstances. Psalms of praise, also called hymns, portray offering of direct admiration to God. Thanksgiving psalms usually reflect gratitude for a personal deliverance or provision from God. Pilgrim psalms include the title of Song of Ascent and were used on pilgrimages going up to Jerusalem for three annual festivals. Other types of psalms are referred to today as wisdom psalms, royal psalms, referring to king, the Israel's king and Israel's messiah, victory psalms, law psalms, and last of all, songs of Zion. There's a lot of different psalms in there. Our psalm today is a law psalm. Psalm 119, as Evelyn mentioned earlier, is a uniquely complicated acrostic poem in that each line in an entire stanza begins with the same letter. Not just one verse, but eight verses start with the letter Aleph. That would be the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The next eight with Beth, and so on until the end of the Hebrew alphabet is reached. At 176 verses, This is the longest chapter in scripture. All but four verses contain at least one of eight synonyms used for God's instruction and teaching. Law, promise, decrees, commandments, word, statutes, precepts, and ordinance. Over and over we hear these words in Psalm 119. Now, there are many reasons why the psalmist, this psalm might have been written out in this way, to make it easier to memorize and keep close to the heart in ancient times where they didn't have books or scrolls to take home. Have you ever tried to memorize anything, whether it's scriptures, songs, lists, or scripts? It's hard work, and it takes time. Any mnemonic devices to aid in memory retention are always helpful. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.11 in the King James Version was one of the first Bible verses I recall memorizing. I wonder what it would have been like to memorize this whole chapter, all 176 verses of it. I once read that British politician William Wilberforce would recite this entire psalm as he walked back from Parliament through Hyde Park to his home. Perhaps the psalm is written in this way for the poet's sheer delight in setting themselves such boundaries to remain within creatively. C.S. Lewis described Psalm 119. In other words, this poem is not and does not pretend to be a sudden outpouring of the heart like, say, Psalm 18. It is a pattern, a thing done like embroidery, stitch, by stitch through long, quiet hours for love of the subject and for delight in leisurely, disciplined craftsmanship. I love poetry. Some of you are familiar with Padre Gortuma and his Poetry Unbound podcast. He is also a theologian, poet, and conflict resolutionist. When asked what poetry is, he offered the answer Poetry, for me, is a public voice. It isn't the only thing needed to change the world, but it is certainly necessary. Walter Brueggemann would have us keep in mind who these words were written for and to. He says in his book, The Message of the Psalms, the Torah is understood not simply as Israelite moral values, but as God's will and purpose ordained in the very structure of life. Torah is Israel's way to respond to and fully honor God's well-oriented world. It's about a relationship, about a relationship between God and the people of Israel. Psalm 119 is a poem of a healthy relationship between the faithful and their God. The repetition of words like law, statutes, commandments, and precepts might not seem the stuff of good poetry, but it was a reminder of how to be in partnership with God. Again, Brueggemann says, one may understand this commitment to Torah as an acceptance of the reality of Yahweh as the horizon, limit, and center of communal imagination. What is clear is that this piety an intentional life with Yahweh was driven neither by guilt nor by fear or coercion. The acceptance of Yahweh as the horizon of life is a matter of joy and comfort and well-being. Israel's relationship with God seen over time looks like loved to existence, commanded to obedience, scattered to exile— recipients of Yahweh's grace, and gathered to obedience and hope. Is this not our own narrative as well? Perhaps not scattered to exile in the same way, but the feeling of being separated from God may be a real experience for many of us, a spiritual or an emotional exile from God. This poem's structure about the precepts of the Lord is a literal path that we are to walk on. The confines of the creative writing actually mirrors out our ability to live a rich, fulfilling life within God's loving path. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. I remember sitting in Sunday school as a little child thinking, Why were the people of Israel not able to see how good they have it and that building golden calves and worshiping other gods led to disaster? Little concrete thinking Dawn had a lot of life to learn, didn't she? (laughs) Because it isn't easy, is it? It can be a hard thing to be in relationship with God. We stumble and we fall just like the Israelites did. And every time God gathers us back in, When we return to him, happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. Does this remind you of anything? Two weeks ago, we were looking at the Beatitudes and Jeremy said, Say less, Jesus, concerning perfection. For how can we possibly live up to being perfect, blameless, and righteous? This passage in Psalm is a type of prequel to the Beatitudes, if you will. Happy are they. Psalm is written to the nation of Israel, encouraging her faithfulness in her covenantal relationship with God. The Beatitudes are spoken on a hillside, covered with people of every nation and background, encouraging all people to be faithful in their relationship with God by following the way of Jesus. In Psalm 119, the writer is encouraging the people of Israel to celebrate the word of God. In fact, they actually have a holiday for that. Simchat Torah, rejoicing with the Torah is what this holiday is called. And much like our liturgical tradition and calendar here that celebrates the new church year at the beginning of Advent, Simchat Torah marks the ending of the cycle of public readings of Torah for the past year and is the beginning of the new cycle of readings The celebrations begin by taking the Torah out of the ark and walking around the synagogue seven times. While they do this, they are also joyously dancing, reveling in the word of God. Sometimes the dancing is so enthusiastic it spills out from the synagogue onto the streets. While the dancing goes on, the people are singing liturgical songs about the Torah and the goodness of God and the hopes for the future. After the circuits and dancing are completed, the scrolls of the Torah are laid out, and one by one, each person in the congregation comes forward and reads from the Torah. One of the important symbols of Simchat Torah is that the people actually become the feet of the Torah to carry it where it would go. One scholar explains this is thought of as an act of, of submission to the will of God, as expressed in the dictates of the Torah. It is an act that causes the Jew to inherently and naturally observe the Jewish faith. And just as the head benefits from the mobility of the feet, so does the Torah become exalted by the commitment of the Jew. I love this, and I wish we had something similar. Can you imagine us all dancing around and spilling onto 109th? To be so joyous in the word of God is to celebrate it each year with delight and dancing and communal readings. What a beautiful way to revel in the goodness of God's word. As a child, I was a little bit afraid of the Bible. It felt like a rule book that I could never hope to obey. Instead, it is a life-giving record of God's faithfulness to his people, And now to us, a guide for being in healthy relationship with God and with others. The word of God is a word of living, not meant to shame or berate us, but offered as an invitation to give us life. It is beauty and poetry, loving and hard, bitter and sweet. It is the stuff of life.